Hi, I'm MC Jesse. 大家好，读你听二点零。今日继续读 Miguel de Cervantes 嘅 Don Quixote， 唐吉诃德读到第十六节。呢一节个名咧叫做 Of what happened to the genius gentleman in the inn, which he took to be a castle. 承接翻上一回啦，唐吉诃德咧再次出师不利啦，俾人打到落花流水。为咗佢自己只马，谂住出一口气，点知啊，俾人哋喂牛，之后咧就同佢嘅侍从啦、新祖啦，就有一段少少嘅争执，都系关于骑士精神唔可以违背啊，诸如此类。咁啊，去到柳暗花明又一村啦，揾到个客栈嘅时候咧，佢都要坚持咧，呢个系城堡嚟嘅，因为咧骑士咧系只会进入城堡。而唔會進入雷管嘅。咁我而家睇下唐兵摩德進入咗雷管之後發生咩事。跟住我哋交俾 Costa 同大家讀嚟聽。The innkeeper, seeing Don Quixote slung across the ass, asked Sancho what was amiss with him. Sancho answered that it was nothing, only that he had fallen down from a rock and had his ribs a little bruised. The innkeeper had a wife whose disposition was not such as those of her calling commonly have. For she was by nature kind-hearted and felt for the sufferings of her neighbours, so she at once set about tending Don Quixote, and made her young daughter, a very comely girl, help her in taking care of her guest. There was besides in the inn a servant, an Asturian lass with a broad face, flat poll, and snub nose, blind of one eye and not very sound in the other. The elegance of her shape, to be sure, made up for all her defects. She did not measure seven palms from head to foot, and her shoulders, which overweighted her somewhat, made her contemplate the ground more than she liked. This graceful lass then helped the young girl, and the two made up a very bad bed for Don Quixote in a garret that showed evident signs of having formerly served for many years as a straw loft, in which there was also quartered a carrier whose bed was placed a little beyond our Don Quixote's. And though only made of the pack saddles and cloths of his mules, had much the advantage of it, as Don Quixote's consisted simply of four rough boards on two not very even trestles, a mattress that for thinness might have passed for a quilt, full of pallets which, were they not seen through the rents to be wool, would to the touch have seen pebbles in hardness, two sheets made of buckler leather. And a coverlet, the threads of which any one that chose might have counted without missing one in their reckoning. On this accursed bed, Don Quixote stretched himself, and the hostess and her daughter soon covered him with plasters from top to toe, while Maritones, for that was the name of the Asturian, held the light for them. And while plastering him, the hostess, observing how full of wheels Don Quixote was in some places. Remark that this had more the look of blows than of a fall. It was not blows, Sancho said, but that the rock had many points and projections, and that each of them had left its mark. Pray, Signora, he added, manage to save some toe, as there will be no want of someone to use it, for my loins too are rather sore. Then you must have fallen too, said the hostess. I did not fall, said Sancho Panza. But from the shock I got at seeing my master fall, my body aches so that I feel as if I had had a thousand thwacks. That may well be," said the young girl, "for it has many a time happened to me to dream that I was falling down from a tower and never coming to the ground, and when I woke from the dream to find myself as weak and shaken as if I had really fallen. 
There is the point, Signora," replied Sancho Panza. "That I, without dreaming at all, but being more awake than I am now, find myself with scarcely less wheels than a master, Don Quixote. How is the gentleman called?" asked Maritornes the Asturian. "Don Quixote of La Mancha," answered Sancho Panza. "And he is a knight adventurer, and one of the best and stoutest that have been seen in the world this long past." What is a knight adventurer? said the lass. Are you so new in the world as not to know? answered Sancho Panza. Well then, you must know, sister, that a knight adventurer is a thing that, in two words, is seen dropped an emperor. That is today the most miserable and needy being in the world, and tomorrow will have two or three crowns of kingdoms to give his squire. Then how is it, said the hostess, that belonging to so good a master as this, you have not? To judge by appearances, even so much as a county, it is too soon yet," answered Sancho. "For we have only been a month going in quest of adventures, and so far we have met with nothing that can be called one. For it will happen that when one thing is looked for, another thing is found. However, if my master Don Quixote gets well of this wound or fall, and I am left none the worst of it, I would not change my hopes for the best title in Spain." To all this conversation, Don Quixote was listening very attentively, and sitting up in bed as well as he could. And taking the hostess by the hand, he said to her, "Believe me, fair lady, you may call yourself fortunate in having in this castle of yours sheltered my person, which is such that if I do not myself praise it, it is because of what is commonly said that self praise debaseth. But my squire will inform you who I am. I only tell you that I shall preserve for ever." Inscribe on my memory the service you have rendered me in order to tender you my gratitude while life shall last me, and would to heaven love held me not so enthralled and subject to his laws and to the eyes of that fair ingrate whom I named between my teeth, but that those of this lovely damsel might be the masters of my liberty. The hostess, her daughter, and the worthy Maritornes listened in bewilderment to the words of the knight errant. For they understood about as much of them as if he had been talking Greek, though they could perceive they were all meant for expressions of goodwill and blandishments. And not being accustomed to this kind of language, they stared at him and wondered to themselves, for he seemed to them a man of a different sort from those they were used to. And thanking him in pothouse praise for his civility, they left him, while the Asturian gave her attention to Sancho, who needed it no less than his master. The carrier had made an arrangement for her for recreation that night, and she had given him her word that when the guests were quiet and the family asleep, she would come in search of him and meet his wishes unreservedly. And it is said of this good lass that she never made promises of the kind without fulfilling them, even though she made them in the forest and without any witness present, for she plumed herself greatly on being a lady. And held it to disgrace to be in such an employment as servant in an inn, because she said misfortunes and ill luck had brought her to that position. The hard, narrow, wretched, rickety bed of Don Quixote stood first in the middle of this star-lit stable, and close beside it Sancho made his, which merely consisted of a rush mat and a blanket that looked as if it was a threadbare canvas rather than of wool. Next to these two beds was that of the carrier, made up, as has been said, of the pack saddles and all the trappings of the two best mules he had, though there were twelve of them, sleek, plump, and in prime condition. For he was one of the rich carriers of Erivalo, according to the author of this history, 
who particularly mentions this carrier because he knew him very well, and they even say was in some degree a relation of his. Besides which, Thidhamante Benegali was a historian of great research and accuracy in all things, as is very evident since he would not pass over in silence those that have been already mentioned, however trifling and insignificant they might be. An example that might be followed by those grave historians who relate transactions so curtly and briefly that we hardly get a taste of them. All the substance of the work being left in the inkstand from carelessness, perverseness, or ignorance. A thousand blessings on the author of De Blante de Ricamonte, and that of the other book in which the deeds of the Conde Tomillas are recounted, with what minuteness they describe everything. To proceed then. After having paid a visit to his team and given them their second feed, the carrier stretched himself on his pack saddles and lay waiting for his conscientious maritones. Sancho was by this time plastered and had lain down, and though he strove to sleep, the pain of his ribs would not let him. While Don Quixote, with the pain of his, had his eyes as wide open as a hare's. The inn was all in silence, and in the whole of it, there was no light except that given by a lantern. That hung burning in the middle of the gateway, this strange stillness and the thoughts always present to our knight's mind of the incidents described at every turn in the books that were the cause of his misfortune, conjured up to his imagination as extraordinary a delusion as can well be conceived, which was that he fancied himself to have reached a famous castle. And that the daughter of the innkeeper was daughter of the lord of the castle, and that she, won by his high-bred bearing, had fallen in love with him, and had promised to come to his bed for a while that night without the knowledge of her parents. And holding all this fantasy that he had constructed as solid fact, he began to feel uneasy and to consider the perilous risk which his virtue was about to encounter. And he resolved in his heart to commit no treason to his lady Dulcinea del Toboso. Even though the Queen Guinevere herself and the Dame Quintanona should present themselves before him, while he was taken up with these vagaries, then the time and the hour, an unlucky one for him, arrived for the Asturian to come, who in her smock, with bare feet and her hair gathered into a fustian coif, with noiseless and cautious steps entered the chamber where the three were quartered, in quest of the carrier. But scarcely had she gained the door when Don Quixote perceived her. And sitting up in his bed, in spite of his plasters and pain of his ribs, he stretched out his arms to receive his beauteous damsel. The Asturian, who went all doubled up and in silence with her hands before her, feeling for her lover, encountered the arms of Don Quixote, who grasped her tightly by the wrist and drawing her towards him, while she dared not utter a word, made her sit down on the bed. He then felt her smock, and although it was of sackcloth, it appeared to him to be of the finest and softest silk. On her wrists, she wore some glass beads, but to him they had the sheen of precious orient pearls. Her hair, which in some measure resembled a horse's mane, he rated as threads of the brightest gold of Araby, whose refulgence dimmed the sun himself. Her breath, with no doubt smelled of yesterday's stale salad, seemed to him to diffuse a sweet aromatic fragrance from her mouth. And in short, he drew her portrait in his imagination. With the same features and the same style as that which he had seen in his books of the other princesses who, smitten by love, came with all the adornments that are here set down to see the sorely wounded knight, 
And so great was the poor gentleman's blindness that neither touch nor smell nor anything else about the good lass that would have made any but a carrier vomit were enough to undeceive him. On the contrary, he was persuaded he had the goddess of beauty in his arms, and holding her firmly in his grasp, he went on to say in low, tender voice, "With that, I found myself lovely and exalted lady in a position to repay such a favor as that which you." By the sight of your great beauty, have granted me. But fortune, which is never weary of persecuting the good, has chosen to place me upon this bed, where I lie so bruised and broken that though my inclination would gladly comply with yours, it is impossible. Besides, to this impossibility, another yet greater is to be added, which is the faith that I have pledged to the peerless Dothenia del Bosso, sole lady of my most secret thoughts. And were it not that this stood in the way, I should not be so insensible a knight as to miss the happy opportunity which your great goodness has offered me. Mary Dones was fretting and sweating at finding herself held so fast by Don Quixote, and not understanding or heeding the words he addressed to her, she strove without speaking to free herself. The worthy carrier, whose unholy thoughts kept him awake, was aware of his doxy the moment she entered the door. And was listening attentively to all Don Quixote said, and jealous that the Asturian should have broken her word with him or another, drew nearer to Don Quixote's bed and stood still to see what would come of this talk, which he could not understand. But when he perceived the wench struggling to get free and Don Quixote striving to hold her, not relishing the joke, he raised his arm and delivered such a terrible cuff on the lank jaws of the amorous knight that he bathed all his mouth in blood. And not content with this, he mounted on his ribs and with his feet trampled all over them at a pace rather smarter than a trot. The bed, which was somewhat crazy and not very firm on his feet, unable to support the additional weight of the carrier, came to the ground. And at the mighty crash of this, the innkeeper woke and at once concluded that it must be some brawl of Maritornes, because after calling loudly to her, he got no answer. With this suspicion, he got up. And lighting a lamp, hastened to the quarter where he had heard the disturbance. The wench, seeing that her master was coming and knowing that his temper was terrible, frightened and panic-stricken, made for the bed of Sancho Panza, who still slept, and crouching upon it, made a ball of herself. The innkeeper came in, exclaiming, "Where art thou, strumpet? Of course, this is some of thy work." At this, Sancho awoke, and feeling this max almost on top of him, fancied he had the nightmare. Began to distribute fisticuffs all round, of which a certain share fell upon Maritornes, who, irritated by the pain and flinging modesty aside, paid back so many in return to Sancho that she woke him up in spite of himself. He then, finding himself so handled, by whom he knew not, raising himself up as well as he could, grappled with Maritornes, and he and she between them began the bitterest and drollest scrimmage in the world. The carrier, however, perceiving by the light of the innkeeper candle how it fared with his lady love, quitting Don Quixote, ran to bring her the help she needed, and the innkeeper did the same, but with a different intention, for his was to chastise the lass, as he believed that beyond a doubt she alone was the cause of all the harmony, and so, as the saying is, cat to rat, rat to rope, rope to stick, the carrier pounded Sancho. Sancho the lass, she him, and the innkeeper her, and all worked away so briskly that they did not give themselves a moment's rest. And the best of it was that the innkeeper's lamp went out, 
and as they were left in the dark, they all laid on one upon the other in a mass so unmercifully that there was not a sound spot left where a hand could light. It so happened that there was a lodging that night in the inn a cordillero of what they call the Old Holy Brotherhood of Toledo, who, also hearing the extraordinary noise of the conflict, seized his staff and the tin case with his warrants and made his way in the dark into the room crying, Hold! In the name of the jurisdiction! Hold! In the name of the Holy Brotherhood! The first that he came upon was the pummeled Don Quixote, who lay stretched senseless on his back upon his broken-down bed, and, his hand falling on the beard as he felt about, he continued to cry, Hell for the jurisdiction! But perceiving that he whom he had laid hold of did not move or stir, he concluded that he was dead, and that those in the room were his murderers. <laughs> and with this suspicion, he raised his voice still higher, calling out, Shut the inn gate! See that no one goes out! They have killed a man here! This cry startled them all, and each dropped the contest at the point at which the voice reached him. The innkeeper retreated to his room, the carrier to his pack saddles, the last to her crib. The unlucky Don Quixote and Sancho alone were unable to move from where they were. The Cordillero on this let go Don Quixote's beard, and went out to look for a light to search for and apprehend the culprits, but not finding one. As the innkeeper had purposely extinguished the lantern on retreating to his room, he was compelled to have recourse to the hearth, where after much time and trouble, he lit another lamp. 唔该晒 Costa， 有趣嘅一节。原本一个自愿献身、其貌不扬嘅女子咧，令到当其开题争啲就接受咗噶啦。咁但系咧，林尼辣马啦，可以咁讲咧，都系因为佢嘅骑士精神，佢只系。仰慕住佢家乡嘅女子啊，就唔可以同其他女子搭上啦。但亦都系因为呢个时候咧，呢、這个女子咧就俾个主人咧杂文啦，就揾佢出嚟谂住打佢噶啦。咁咧佢就匿埋咗喺阿新左嗰度，然之后新左啊当佢系鬼咁样打佢一身，然之后两个胡咬起上嚟，然之后就各人咧就冲咗嚟就混战咗一轮。到因为冇灯火嘅情况之下，大家都打到大家遍体鳞伤啦，睇怕。呢、这个表面上系当田阿提一个休息嘅一轮，结果咧可能就双上加上。好，我哋睇下呢一节有啲咩字同大家分享。一个形声字啊 ，thank，thank， 我谂就咁听个字面都估到个字系咩意思。t h w a c k， 文中系一个名词嚟嘅，亦都可以用当动词用，意思系 sharp blow， 拍打、重击。enthrall。enthrall，e n t h r a l， 文中系诶应该系 confrontment 啊，定系定系 confronting 咁嘅用啊，吓即系诶好好好俾佢吸引住嘅吓，俾、啊、呢位女性吸引住 ，capture the fascinated attention of 啊迷住嘅 ，blandishment，blandishment，b l a n d i s h m e n t 名词嚟嘅。A flattering or pleasing statement or action used as a means of gently persuading someone to do something. 我哋中文都简单嘅啫，就系奉承啦，甜言蜜语啦，由康或调啦，去氹人啊，献媚啦。Blandishment 文中就系提到当杰阿提伤害佢女啦，咁带着承蒙客栈嘅女主人同埋佢嘅女，同埋佢嘅仆人，佢女仆人都系。好好啦，会会谂住照顾佢啦
，然之后唐金娃德就讲一大堆佢嘅骑士精神出嚟啦，而呢班女人系完全听唔明佢讲咩嘅，但系佢听得出咧，佢嘅语调系 blandishment， 都系一啲奉承嘅说话，所以佢哋都照单全收嘅。好，我哋今次到呢度，下一次再同大家读嚟听，拜拜。If you like this video, make sure to comment, like, share and subscribe. Adios.